Supermoms on Cloud9. I'm Heather Black, champion for women in tech and founder of Supermoms, a global brand supporting moms to develop a career in the Salesforce ecosystem. My podcast aims to inspire and support moms to develop a flexible, well-paid, successful career in the tech sector. On this show, we share top tips, insight, and inspirational stories from women who've carved out a flexible, well-paid career in the sector, as well as talk to employers who champion diversity and gender equality. In series two, I'm really excited to be speaking to a range of people who successfully transitioned into a career in the tech sector. And we'll be looking at all the different range of job roles that are available to help inspire you and give you more information about a role that might suit you. In today's session, I'm delighted to be talking to Rosie about how she transitioned from being a marketing manager to a marketing cloud consultant. And not just a consultant, but she now leads the marketing cloud practice at Accenture UK. So Rosie, welcome to the show. It's fantastic to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat to you today. Thank you, Rosie. So tell me, where did the story begin? Like, how did you end up in marketing? And and tell us a bit about that background. Oh, okay. So I started actually with a degree in marketing. So I have a business degree with a major in marketing and also econometrics for all of those that are kind of statisticians out there. Wow. Um, Sounds fancy. And, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, business, statistical business modeling. But, you know, my passion was marketing. It was something that I took a gap year actually. And I was enrolled to do law and I started working with the marketing team on my gap year and realized that that was much more suited to me. So I actually changed my degree. And then after finishing uni, I did the kind of really logical marketing career path. So I started out as a marketing assistant. I became a, a marketing coordinator and then all the way through probably about six years later to a marketing manager. So that's the transition that I had. And I really worked through mostly financial services businesses. So I was about three different businesses during that time, working in insurance and then in financial services and pensions. Interesting, interesting, cool. And so how does tech play part? Because obviously marketing can mean a lot of different things. When did you start really using tech as a marketer? So I think, you know, our main transition, I was at a firm called Mercer in Australia and I was working as the marketing manager at the time of their super fund. So that's uh, the equivalent of a pension here in the UK. Mm -hmm. And we were looking at doing a transformation actually. So what at the time I would have been a product owner, but I didn't know that terminology. So I really took charge of the marketing cloud side of things and making sure we had a consultancy in that was working with us to replatform us in this kind of enterprise solution And I was responsible for making sure that it looked and felt like I wanted it to in terms of what we were doing at Mercer in our marketing program. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I first got involved. And then it was really interesting because at the time I worked through, actually, I would pitch Salesforce as part of the services that we offered at Mercer as an administrator. So I started to think about not only how it transformed the role that I did, but actually how it could help our clients do, you know, replatform their experience and bring a better customer experience and also what we would call colleague experience. So how it would be better for marketeers. Mm -hmm. And that's really how I started using it. But equally, I would 
you know, day-to-day -day usage. So we would send our campaigns out of there. We would send our newsletters. Uh, we would curate our content in Marketing Cloud. So that's really the first play that we had in Salesforce Marketing Cloud Tech. And, you know, we were lucky as well at Mercer that they invested in all of us getting our certification as well. So it was something that they were very committed to from the top down, which made a big difference for us. What was it about Marketing Cloud that sort of appealed to the team over, I suppose, other email marketing solutions? Why did you decide to go for Marketing Cloud and what impact did the technology have on your marketing efforts? Sure. I think, you know, we went for Marketing Cloud because we had a very large financial services business and call center business, mm -hmm. and that was all platformed on Service Cloud. And so as part of that, it really made logical sense for us to move to Marketing Cloud. You know, the connection between the two for us was really important. So people that had a complaint, we wanted to make sure that we didn't market to them. And that native integration is really something that we looked at there at the time. And we also did things like we had next best action tooling within our service cloud that was really powered by insights that we used both in Marketing Cloud and in the rest of our business. So that was where we first started to choose Salesforce in that space. And then I guess for us, the transformation that it really made is it's something that we now talk about in consulting as elevating the human. So for me, it was about automating tasks that, for example, I might have been doing a welcome letter and that would be something that I would need to send out at the end of the week every week. Mm -hmm. And actually for us, that then looked like the platform automating that. So anytime a new joiner joined in real time, we would send out a communication and we actually had an onboarding series as part of it. So what it allowed me to do was one, automate tasks that were taking me a lot of time that I could actually do higher value work. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing that it allowed me to do was actually personalize it in a way where, you know, we used personas and segments and things that if I was doing that manually, it would take me multiple days a week to do. And the platform actually seamlessly did that. So not only did it automate tasks, but it allowed us to get to a, you know, a higher level of personalization to our customers when we were talking to them. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. I love that elevating human, elevating the human. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's it something we really talk grand, about a it? lot. It does, mm. but you know, it's the right thing when we talk because I think so many people get concerned that tech's taking over their job. Yeah. And actually, it's not taking over your job because we always need a human in our roles. What it's doing is taking away the lower value work that actually isn't, in, you know, doesn't require your brain power. And elevating the human means that you can think about strategic tasks and things that usually when you're in the day-to-day -day, you don't have the ability to do mm, that's a really good way of positioning i like that that's good and you won an award didn't you for the work that you did with marketing cloud yeah so i actually i was encouraged to apply for the australian marketing institute's future leader of the year and at the time we'd just been through that big transformation work at mercer we'd re-platformed onto marketing cloud we had incredible numbers in terms of our return on investment and how well our campaigns were going. And so I went through the process of applying to the Australian Marketing Institute. I had to do, funnily enough, I needed to do a paper on what I thought a marketeer would look like in 2020. Wow. So this year it's actually <laughs> going to be something I back, go back and reflect on. And I don't think awesome. what we thought 2020 would look like, but you know, some of the things that I talked about was, 
marketeers being the owner of customer experience and that they were as much a technologist as they were a marketeer. So I think Mm -hmm. some trends have very much come through and through winning that award, it was really amazing. I got great exposure. And for me, it was probably more of a confidence boost than anything else that the work that I was doing was really comparable in, in the market as something that was, you know, high performing and something that other people could look towards as work that they wanted to replicate and emulate. That's great. Great. And I think the point that you mentioned around having the ROI stats is so important, isn't it? Because then that's what makes you confident to apply for award because you feel confident you've achieved an impact that you've made a change in the way that your team operate. Absolutely. And I think stories without stats are just stories and Mm. that factual impact and what it really allowed us to do is, you know, I kind of talk about it in a way that before that step change, we were really looking at ourselves as marketers, as really project managers. So people that understood marketing, but it was a lot of, you know, pulling in tasks from different people, making sure that our compliance team got things signed off. And it was, you know, there was rigor around the work that we were doing. But I think when you're able to show the value of your work and how it actually adds revenue to a business, that's Mm -hmm. when it changes you from the kind of project management type marketer to a strategic marketer. And it's the difference between, you know, I think people flippantly say like a colouring in marketer, but it shows that marketing is a discipline and something that people have a craft in and something that changes the dial for organisations. So you're not just providing brochureware. I love that. Yeah, no, that's really, really important points. Thank you so much. And so through that journey, when did you decide to step into the consultancy world? What was it? What was the pivotal point? So I think for me, I had kind of two pivotal points. There was one that said to me, I was kind of sitting at my house in Melbourne and looked at myself and I said, Rosie, like, if you don't make a change right now, you're going to live in Melbourne for the rest of your life, which is a beautiful city and a completely (laughs) fine thing to do. But for me, I had this ache to be somewhere else and to kind of stretch my career into a new area. Mm -hmm. And so I was really keen to come to London and I had come to do a bit of a reconnaissance trip to make sure that it was something that I would like. And I came while I was still at my previous employer and one of my good friends actually works in consulting at Accenture and we've been friends since university. And he said we were catching up because he'd been seconded to London actually at the time. And I'd just gone and spoken to my current employer in Europe to talk about uh, what that might look like and if there were roles. I was also talking to a number of different marketing recruitment companies and then Luke said to me, oh, Rosie, we do Salesforce work. You know, maybe you should come in and talk to someone. And I hadn't really ever thought of consulting in that space. Mm -hmm. And I came in and spoke to our practice lead, who's still my practice lead now, about the work that I was doing and we were really just having a conversation it wasn't anything like an interview and I was just getting to know more about what Accenture did in that space and at the time Orla was looking to find out what I had done with Marketing Cloud and we finished that conversation saying I think both informed with both what myself as a functional marketer could bring to a consultancy firm that was looking at Salesforce and the insights that I could bring from being client side. Mm -hmm. And then for me, 
a career that I'd never thought of before in terms of turning my functional expertise into some into value that I could deliver across a number of different industries and a number of different clients. And then I was actually, as part of my award, I had won some money to go and study. And so I went to Harvard and I was doing this essential management skills for emerging leaders. And as part of that, it was about, you had to have a personal project. Mm-hmm. And for me, because I'd self-funded, I decided that my personal project was going to be something about making a career step change. And then the more that I thought about it, for me, you know, being in the technology business almost future-proofs your career in a way that you can't get outside of that. Mm-hmm. And so after I'd finished that course, I emailed Ola and I said, I think I'm ready. I do want to speak about having a job at Accenture and I do want to think about how it might work for both of us and if it's a good fit. And she emailed me back saying, yep, that sounds great. Let's start the formal process. And then I think I I had a very quick interview process and I think about five weeks later I had a role that I was coming to at Accenture in the November of 2017. Amazing. Amazing. I love that journey though, from sitting in your house in Melbourne. (laughs) I love how you remember that defining moment. (laughs) You know, I think people have pivotal moments, don't they? Yeah, yeah. No, but it's great. I mean, it's great that you can really sort of think about that. And I think the other kind of key point to just emphasize for people is network, talk to people, because you can sit in your house and think, well, what else can I do? But if you don't talk to people who exist in the other you know, the other world that you might be exploring or thinking about, you don't know if it's something that would suit you or not. So I think that was obviously a great opportunity for you to just step in, chat to somebody, you know, through your networking, through your contacts and just kind of explore like, would I like this? Would I not? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And and you're completely right with the network. I mean, both of my parents are exec coaches. So networking has always (laughs) been something that uh, has been what we've spoken about when I was small, but you know, one of the great tips that um, my dad provided me was that, you know, speak to one person and ask for two more people to speak to. Mm. And also make sure that when you go into those conversations that not only are you getting something out of it, but you're giving something to the person that you're networking with, whether that be a new connection, whether that be an idea that you've thought about for their business, but actually not networking for networking's sake, because I think that people can see through that, but doing it with a value exchange in mind. Yeah, I love that. Gosh, you're destined for success with two parents who are coaches, aren't you? Jesus. Yeah, either success or deep problems, but luckily it's been success, yeah. Awesome, I love that. You must be full of these tips. Um, so confidence, confidence sounds a bit mute when you've got parents that are coaches, but you know, the, the confidence to step into consultancy and suddenly be advising other people, what was it that gave you that confidence? It sounds like the course in the US was an amazing opportunity. Was there other things that played a part in that? You know, did you feel a bit scared that you were suddenly going to take on this role of of advising other people definitely I think I actually spoke to my mentor in Australia this morning and he was the person that at the time he said to me Rosie nothing truly great comes from a place of comfort and I've always remembered that because it's true and this is what I say to my team as well you know pressure makes diamonds and if you're comfortable you're not growing and so of course I had a fear factor about moving but did I feel like one, I knew my stuff? Yes. Two, did I feel like the things that I was doing were 
things that other people weren't and that maybe we wanted to replicate. And I think also there's an empathy factor as well about I understand other marketers. And so for me, I knew that that would be something that I could bring to the firm, but it, there was a confidence in that bit, but also an understanding of how much growth there would be as well for me. So I think the push for me was that bit around, you know, my, my mentor Cam saying to me, nothing, you know, nothing truly great comes from a place of comfort. And any of the projects that I'd thought about before that I'd really stretched, that really pushed me hard. And I think that between the ability to face into something that's challenging Mm-hmm. And the confidence to do that. And then also the the little bit in the back of your mind, you know, that, that little engine that could, that I think I can, I think mm-hmm. that can do attitude and then facing into a challenge are incredibly important as part of that. Yeah. And there's a point here that I'd like to flag for any listeners as well, is that you've gone through that journey of, you know, being in a marketing role, then using Marketing Cloud as an end user, which pulling up that point you made there then gives you more confidence to go and advise others. And I think it's a really good point to kind of emphasize for anybody wanting to go down this route is that, you know, if you train up in marketing cloud, it's probably a great idea to kind of work at an end user first and get marketing cloud really working for that company or charity, et cetera, because then you kind of can live and breathe that story to then go and sell it as a consultant to other people. Like I, I find I've, I've found that journey important for myself as well in selling, um, you know, the nonprofit success pack and Salesforce to nonprofits is because I used it and lived and breathed it just like you. And I think that's a really important point that kind of comes out from what you say, Rosie, would you agree? Absolutely. And I think you think I can, you know, I think that's one of the things that I always lead with in my conversations with clients is that I actually used to be you and that makes a massive difference for them because I think that people often think that when a consultancy, sometimes when it comes in that maybe they don't understand you in the way that you understand yourself. And so to have had that, that experience and to be able to say to them, I know this bit's challenging and I know this is the kind of work that you want to take off your plate. And, give them those kind of insights, it really brings our clients a level of comfort in line with the great work that we do. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about the consultancy world. You've obviously taken this step in, you're, you're leading a practice of a team of consultants. So what are the different sort of job roles that exist within sort of marketing solutions team? Sure. So if I think about most of our projects, so we have a insurance client at the moment and we actually have a cross-functional team. So we have a data-driven marketing consultant and they are familiar with the platform, but what they're really bringing about is an understanding of how the marketeer can make the most out of the platform, how they can get cross-trained, how their processes change, all of those kind of things, as well as journey design. We've then got someone who's really, really highly competent in email design and UX and things like that. So that person is really looking at email templates, communications, how they're styled. Mm -hmm. We then have a business analyst, functional consultant, and that person really sits between both our technical side of our team and then also the client and then our functional side of the team. So they're the person that translates the requirements from our client into something that our developers can use. 
Then we have our awesome developers. So they're working on marketing cloud as a technical expert, making sure that what we've envisaged from what our clients functional requirements are actually come to life on the platform as well as a technical lead. So our technical leads often face into the business. So they do both the kind of higher level, more customization work in our team. And then also they're the ones having the more architectural conversations with the client. And then finally we have a delivery lead. So they are making sure everything runs to plan, making sure that we're on track, that our financials make sense, that we're billing correctly. So they've got a very big, well-rounded role, but in that kind of project management space, as well as they're really the point of escalation for the client. And then someone like me, I actually work in a QA role. So half a day a week, I come in, make sure that the team's on track. If there's any specific questions that they have that are around how they might propose something to a client or how they might be looking at a campaign differently or actually how they might configure something technically, that's where I would come in and have those kind of conversations. So there's quite a breadth of roles and styles within that. Mm, That's fabulous. Thank you for that summary. And within all of those roles, would you normally expect them to have the Marketing Cloud certifications? Yes. So that entire team has email specialists. So all of them are certified. Obviously we have people that we bring on that we know have a marketing cloud understanding, but my expectation would be that within their first project that they get their certification. Mm, Cool. So what kind of skills and attributes do you think are important for people working in these types of roles? What do you hire on? So I hire on kind of three things. The first one is something that's not marketing cloud specific or technical specific, but I really hire on a can-do attitude because I think so much of what we do requires people to be positive and buoyant because Mm -hmm. things change. We have different expectations. You know, there's a lot in that space. Mm -hmm. I think secondly is the ability for people not to be scared of a technical conversation. So when I started, I had no idea what something like an API was. And I'm sure there's listeners (laughs) thinking I'm going to need to Google that myself. But, you know, there was a lot of technical content that I really didn't know, but I wasn't scared of not finding out what it meant. You know, I know that like my brain works. I'm clever enough to have an understanding. And I think not being the only thing that stops people learning in that space is the resistance or the fear that they have within themselves to say, I'm not technical. And you don't need to be technical. I don't know how to code. I don't know how to write anything like that, but I know how the platform works. I know how it hangs together. And all of that's just been because of me saying, I can work this out. Mm, and then, It's about the growth mindset, isn't it? It's about really, ex- yeah. you know, I can learn this, but you don't necessarily have to know, you don't have to do it right. <laughs> it know exactly. It exactly. But I think so often when people hear technical, they, they feel a sense of fear. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's in that space where people need to have that mindset where if I don't know it right now, I'll work it out. And then I think finally I kind of have a look at someone who understands what it's like to be a marketer and their competing priorities on time. So those are understanding, especially when we go in and do a project, you know, we've got our clients, they're still doing their day-to-day job. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And so we need someone that both understands what it's like to be a marketer, but then also give an understanding of how we work out how to fit that into our client's day, how we're making their, it easier for them. Because when we're coming in, we're doing transformations for them. So we need to really have both the marketer mindset, both for when we make suggestions around where we think the platform can actually improve things for them. And then secondly, so that we can have an empathy towards our clients who's trying to work through all of their normal day-to-day work while transforming their own, their own role and business. That makes sense. It goes back to that point about elevating the human, doesn't it? About, you know, we're doing transformation, we're trying to make things better for you, which I, I guess leads me to that sort of next comment around, you know, it's great if you can make somebody's job better. It, it must be like really enjoyable to kind of be in that role. But consultancy can come with challenges as well because obviously there's a lot of expectations and demands on you. So what do you really enjoy about your role and what are the honest sort of challenges of it that people should be aware of if they're going to step into this type of work? So what I love about my job is, one, my team, they're unbelievable. I come to work energised by them every day and they're kind of, teaching me I think much more than I ever teach them oh, and then believe that. <laughs> it's true though you know we've got especially because I've got a widespread of projects like so many of them are doing really innovating exciting stuff I think equally we have an amazing global community at Accenture of marketeers so I run with one of my colleagues Doug from the Netherlands I run the kind of global teams town halls for our business and you know, we have, I think, 300 or so people in there from all around the world. So that's really energizing for me. Wow. I think in line with that, the endless opportunities to learn. So I would say I've never had a steeper learning curve than I've had when I joined Accenture, even compared to when I finished uni and started work. So I work across industries I work in you know which is in I think when we talk about challenges that's a challenge understanding how a utilities company works and then the next day thinking about how an e-commerce retailer works and then thinking about how a private banker needs to use the platform and so all of that is quite challenging in terms of being able to move your brain around how the platform can work for different industries Equally in saying that I think one of the really great benefits for me is that there's certain industries that do certain things really well in marketing and other industries that haven't started doing it. And so for us actually picking up the best ideas and bringing them to our clients, regardless of where they are, I think is really nice and really exciting. And then I think the variety for me is something that I really love. So I have lots of different clients, lots of different teams and lots of different challenges Equally, though, I know that the style of working that I enjoy is not for everyone. Um, (laughs) So some of my team laugh and say to me that I must have a time turner because they don't know how I fit it all in. But, you know, I think for people like me, I love being on multiple clients and multiple projects. But equally, there's people that work with me and for me that for them, having a sole focus of a client is what works best for them and how their working style And so we just kind of balance that for everyone's individual style and then their individual needs. 
Yeah, I think that's a really important point. And we're going to be doing another podcast show on like the personality styles and what suits you, because I think that consultancy role can be really Marmite. And it depends on the, the opportunities you've got, doesn't it? Because you can work across multiple projects. And as you say, that can really, people can thrive on that because they've got lots going on, you're learning loads, and some people really love that. And then there's the other sort of scenario where that is overwhelmed for people and they just need to focus on one thing, you know, really understand, you know, get deep down into something and kind of really work it through. So it's great to hear that you kind of balance that out for people where you can and kind of give them that that sort of mixture because um, consultancy is an ongoing learning journey, isn't it? Like even though you're an expert advising people, as you say, every industry, every client has got their own scenarios, their own problems, their own solutions, you know, so it's, it's really about enjoying that, isn't it? About enjoying the unknown. <laughs> yeah. And you and I think the thing that I kind of say to our team as well, and you know, one of the challenges, but I think one of the opportunities for us is as a consultant, you're coming in and you need an opinion and you need to leverage a value. And I think sometimes that can be difficult because there's lots of expectations on you when you come into an organization. But I think that for us, being someone that works cross-functional, has multiple projects. And then, you know, a lot of my team go from different, a lot of them will work on different clouds to get an understanding of all how that works. A lot of them will work on different projects at a time. And I think that's one of the really nice things in Salesforce in general is that in consulting, our projects are relatively short in the grand scheme of consulting. So actually within a year, you could be working on multiple clients and multiple problems which helps really sharpen your skills. Mm, That's great. And final thing, really, um, it's great to hear about your role in the town hall. And we were previously talking, you were showing some things around how you support the team. Like what does a team spirit look like? How do you support parents around sort of flexibility as well? Like how does it, how does it work? How do you make everybody happy? I think there's kind of two metrics to that. There's one that says, you know and facing into it at a consultancy is one of the things is that we need to deliver to our clients in what makes sense for them but I'm I'm hands-on in terms of I really care about what my people are doing and how they're going and what's working for them but I'm hands-off in terms of if you need to find flexibility within your day to take your kid to something do an exercise class break up your day with a walk in the middle, those kind of things. If you're doing your job and the client's happy, I'm kind of okay with it. So, you know, and I think that that's, that's really something that I try and bring to the team. We also, you know, I'm very, I guess, collegiate. So I don't know if it's something to do with being an expat, but you know, for me, my work and my, my friends at work are a very big part of it. And you know, how, I can't come to work and work with work in isolation, just doing a job. You know, for me, I really want to know my team, make sure that they're happy, make sure that we can get the best out of each other and things like that. So, you know, for us, we do more than just our job. So we talk about our lives and we talk about, you know, one of the things that you'll see on my LinkedIn recently is that, you know, in consultancy, we don't get to talk to each other all day, every day. And actually we have, you know, a large practice in which you might never, ever work with someone that works in our practice. And so one of the things that we did is put together a yearbook where we had a page, uh, you know, a slide on every single person in our team 
and it was about bringing out, you know, what does their family and friends look like? What are their hobbies? You know, what's their favourite photo and why? What would be their superpower? What do they love most mm-hmm. about Accenture? Because I think that one of the great things about COVID is that <laughs> while we're all in isolation, it's given us an opportunity to work harder to work out how to be together. Mm-hmm. And something like that for us, and we created a Spotify playlist with everyone's favourite songs, I guess at Accenture and particularly in our Salesforce practice, we have something called the People Alliance Network. And it's basically a team that's deeply committed to people's, you know, creating a truly human experience and making sure that when people come to work, it's, it's a part of their life, not a job. Because it takes up so much of your day. It's something that's, you know, at times highly demanding. We want to make sure that we've got like a really collegiate feel that there's people that are looking out for you, that there's, you know, we do fun different things. So, you know, we had our quarterly event the other week and everyone got sent cupcakes and brownies and, you know, they're not big. Yeah, they're not big things. Or we had, um, when the start of lockdown came, everyone got like a mug with, you know, a little note from the practice and some tea and biscuits and chocolate and, you know, they're not big gestures, mm. but it's a reminder for people that we're more than our jobs and that we care about how their lives are going and things like that. Yeah, that's great to hear. Because I heard there was somebody from Accenture speaking about some of the other things they've been doing during COVID to support their staff. And it sounds like you know, from a corporate perspective, it's great to have all those resources. And I think it's it's lovely, particularly that point around yearbook you made because you know when you're working virtually you're busy in meetings and yes you'll be chatting to each other but it might be work related and it is about how do you make time to talk to people and connect with them on another level isn't it and so sharing those tips and giving people a reason to reach out to each other because they might have something in common that they didn't realize and kind of opening those doors I think that's a lovely idea so well done hats off to you for that one yeah that's the point isn't it we really miss the incidental chat when we're all working from home Mm. you know the one where you'd turn to your friend and laugh about something or go to lunch together or chat before your next meeting and I think things like while that gets taken away a little bit because you feel like oh, I need to set up a meeting or uh, that when we do more informal incidental things whether it be book club or we have you know we were very lucky to get things like access to headspace for free for I think four months so Mm, yeah and even things like that you know one of the things that we make sure as part of our uh, PAN so our People Alliance Network team is that we're really open with people around both their health and well-being as well as their work and as well as you know the bit outside of it so Mm. where you know we had online cooking classes and we had um, (laughs) (laughs) Zoom yogas and we had uh, little treats delivered and then you know one of uh, the women in our practice Kelly her dad did this like really amazing wine tasting class that we kind of DIY'd together and <laughs> so but I think making you know making it less I think people probably look at Accenture and think we're probably quite like a corporate and formal organization but actually we are quite fun and it is a really nice place to work and I think that we're really lucky because of that. And especially we're particularly lucky because we have such great international vibes. So you'll have lots of different accents and lots of different thoughts and insights because we're from all around the world, which is really nice as well. 
Mm, I love that. Thanks, Rosie, so much for sharing your journey. There's loads of great tips in there. We've been chatting for ages, which is great. And some brilliant advice in there. I can see you've obviously been brought up well with lots of positive (laughs) can-do attitude. So uh, yeah, it's fantastic to hear your journey. And I think it will really inspire others, you know, other marketeers who are in that sort of situation to go, well, actually, what does the future look like? And you know, going back to that point around your paper that you wrote, like what would techno- what would it look like in 2020? We are moving towards more technology. We are moving towards new innovative products. And it just feels like everybody has to upskill in these areas, right? To kind of get, to sort of move along <laughs> about where, where they're going to be the next 20 years. Where do you think, final question, where do you think you're going to be next? Where do you want to take your team and what you're delivering? I think what COVID has really done for us and this is something that I spoke to the team about is that I think we'll be doing more of that work around elevating the human so automating work that people just realized after the fact that they didn't they shouldn't have been doing or didn't need to so I think there'll be a lot of that I think that one of the other pieces that I think we'll look more into is operating models so it's all very well for us to put in the tech but how do people's jobs change because of it what does it look like for them how does their How would their team need to be structured differently? What things do they now want to outsource? What things do they now want to insource that maybe they outsourced before? So I think think there will be a lot of storming and forming around both what can we automate that makes people's lives easier, makes the customer experience better, and then connects kind of that full customer experience. And then I think secondly, I think it will be about the operating model. So how do people's jobs look different? What does their teams look like? So I think that's probably a lot of the things that we'll be doing, you know, and equally, I think it's on, um, it's at least on a lot of the consulting kind of memes and things that I look at, but they say, you know, what was the largest reason for your transformation? And lots of people are like, oh, my CTO or my digital officer and actually the third one is you know they say they jokingly say like 98% of it was COVID but truly I think that's (laughs) I I think that's this has made us reevaluate the way that we work and certainly technology and digital transformation will be even more so at the forefront I think moving forward so I see us getting busier but also working out how we do transformation of all scales so not Mm -hmm. just big transformations but how do we you know help organizations move the dial a little bit from from what for them feels like an insurmountable mountain of change so i think Mm -hmm. that will be the other thing how how we help our clients on this on the spectrum of what we call we term it like crawl walk run journey but how do we help people move up that maturity scale because you can't become the next Apple overnight and things like that and so there's going to be a transformation journey for organizations yeah that makes sense and the marketing mix has shifted hasn't it with covid you know people have had to do marketing in different ways so i look forward to seeing what's coming next from you rosie and everything you're doing so obviously you can follow rosie on linkedin we've also got on our website on supermums.org website I will put the link in the session notes for the podcast, job roles and a little bit more around, you know, what a marketing power consultant would look like, what the skills would look like. And then you can sort of tap into our training or our recruitment if that's the way that you want to go. So look in the notes to say for the link for that or visit the supermoms.org website. But thank you, Rosie, again. Great talking to you. And as I say, look forward to seeing what comes next from you. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for having me. 
Mums on Cloud9 is kindly sponsored by RB in partnership with Empha.